We are reading from Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. And let's start reading from verse 1. Now when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them saying, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priests' feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua called twelve men, whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe, and Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, What do these stones mean? Then you shall say to them, Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel. So what happened in this case is that is the children of Israel, remember we have, we have about uh, 2 million people wandering in the desert for 40 years. A generation is wiped out, another generation comes and, and, and begins. There's going to be about 250,000, roughly something like that, 200,000 maybe, that are going to stay on the west side of the Jordan River. That's going to be Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh was a very abundant tribe. Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh are going to stay, I'm sorry, on the east side of the, the, the Jordan River. They're going to be staying on the east side. And the other about one and a half million are crossing the Jordan and coming in. God dries up the Jordan River as we had seen in Joshua chapter 3 and the children of Israel cross quite rapidly as rapidly as one and a half million people can cross while the priests are holding the ark in the middle of the riverbed of the Jordan River. God then commands Joshua and he says take 12 men representing the 12 tribes of Israel let them get a stone from the riverbed near the ark, where the priests are standing. And it says, this is not a stone that you're holding in your hand. He says, and have them place it on their shoulders. So it's a big stone that each, each of these 12 men have to take. And they're to take it and they're to, put it, they're to put it in the place where they would be lodging that evening. And so that's what he's told them to do. And so, so Joshua goes ahead and instructs them to do it. And, and Joshua has them do it. Then what he's going to do is going to have them take 12 stones from the land and bring it back into the riverbed and place them there so that it's going to be a remembrance but be covered over. But before, before I, we, we, we get to that, I want to, I want to just touch on one other aspect and then we're going to come back to what I was just saying. It says in, in uh, verse 12 of Joshua chapter 4, the sons of Reuben, the sons of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over in battle array before the sons of Israel, just as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 equipped for war crossed for battle before the Lord to the desert plains of Jericho. So, here's what we've got. We've got, we've got uh, uh, 2 million people on this side of the Jordan River. Here's the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee, 
the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, here is where, where, where they're, they're, the attack's going to be. The attack's going to be in Jericho. They're on this side of the river. Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh are going to be staying on this side of the river Jordan. However, the agreement was, since those two and a half tribes are not going across, their fighting men are going to have to lead the way. So, the women, the children, stay on this side. The fighting men cross. It says 40,000 fighting men crossed and led the way across the Jordan. He had them take stones from the Jordan River and set them up in Gilgal. Gilgal, it says, is, is uh, uh, just, just, just on the eastern side of Jericho. The town of Gilgal, the ancient Gilgal, has never been found. So, so uh, that, that's, that's uh, uh, one archaeological place that has yet to be found. It was the capital of Israel just for a few years while the attack on the land was going, and then it moved over to Shiloh. It wasn't until much later that it became Jerusalem. That's during the time of David that it became Jerusalem. But so they're on this side, and they're crossing over. They take 12 stones from the riverbed, and they set them up in Gilgal. So there is this spot here. We don't know exactly where Gilgal is, really. It, it, it's, it's on the eastern side of, of Jericho, but they placed it here. It could well have been here. No, not exactly sure where. And then they took 12 stones from Gilgal and they put them into the riverbed. Now, this is not a very far distance from this riverbed to Gilgal because, remember, this scale of up here is 20 miles. So it looks maybe like, like a mile distance or two miles distance from the riverbed to Gilgal. That's about it. And that's what they're doing. But it says 40,000 men. So it says in, in, verse, in, in, in verse 13, 40,000 equipped for, for war. And that's from Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. But if you look in Numbers chapter 26, in Numbers chapter 26, it said Reuben had 43,730 fighting men, Gad 40,500 fighting men, and Manasseh had 52,700 fighting men. That's what it lists for us in Numbers chapter 26. Now, if we say that half the tribe of Manasseh was staying on that eastern side, take half of those fighting men and you would, you would take the 52,700 divided by two, you'd get 26,350. So whether you add these three numbers or whether you add these two plus half of this one, you're going to get 136,000 or 110,000 fighting men. How come only 40,000 crossed? Because that represents either 30 to 35% of the fighting men. The other... The other amount, the other two-thirds are staying on the eastern side with the women and children on that side. That's what that means. You can't leave just the women and children on that side all alone. So one-third, approximately one-third of their fighting men are leading the way and going across the river to re lead that way. And, and uh, so then we had read above, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to pick up another portion in Joshua chapter 4 now. Joshua chapter 4, let's start reading at verse 20. Those twelve stones which they had taken from the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, 
Israel crossed the Jordan on dry, on the dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to, to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed, that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So what we see is two portions. The portion at the beginning of the book of Joshua chapter 4, the portion at the end. The last word in, 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 in the last verse in Joshua chapter 4 says that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. The crossing of the Jordan River was a tremendous witness to the people of that land. And we see that in Joshua chapter 5 verse 1. Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. So what you see is that when they crossed the Jordan, it says everybody on this west side of the Jordan, those who, the Amorites and also those by the great sea, the, the Mediterranean Sea, all the way, they heard how God had dried up the land before the children of Israel and they became terrified. And that would make you terrified if your enemy, there were miracles just going in front of them. Remember, you have one and a half million people coming into this little land. That's one and, a, and there's another, another half a million on the east side. So that's half the size of the city of Houston walking through the wilderness and moving in. A people that devour the land, it said. Huge number of people come walking in. They had just defeated Sion and Og on the, on, the, on the east side of the Jordan. Two major kings they had defeated. Nothing was standing in their way. The, the waters parked before them. But what I want to focus in on now is some particular words from Joshua chapter 4. From Joshua chapter 4, if we start reading from verse 6. Joshua chapter 4, verse 6. Let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask you later, this is what we want to look at. Here they have crossed the mighty Jordan River. They crossed this river at flood stage. God does a great miracle. He brings these people out of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness to just going into the land. What does He do? He speaks about children. He says, let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask you later saying, what do these stones mean? The 12 stones that they set up in Gilgal? He says, when your children ask you, what are these 12 stones? Then you shall tell them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel. And then if we move on down to the last portion of, of Joshua chapter 4, verse 21. And he, he said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Think about this. In the midst of tremendous miracles taking place, in the midst of all this demonstration of power, what does God say? Teach your children. Teach your children these things. To God, children are not an afterthought. Children are not an afterthought. He brings them right up to the forefront 
of what's to be done. He said, you are to teach your children. You are to instruct your children. The focus of children in the midst of huge, mighty miracles, in the midst of defeating Sion and Og, and then about to defeat everybody on, 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 the, uh, uh, east, on, on the western side of the Jordan now. All of those people. He says, remember your children. I want you to turn, o- turn to uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. And we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. So Deuteronomy chapter 6. Is, we're, just, we're just moving one, one, uh, one book back. Just, just before Joshua. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And... This portion in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is the most famous portion among the Jews. If a Jew knows any scripture, it is this scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4. It's called the Shema or the Listen. Listen what God says. And this is what every Jewish child will learn to say. And it's Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That is what is called the the Shema in in, in Israel. That is what everybody will learn. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Then he says this, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as signs on your hand and as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So what does he do? He teaches them these words and he says, teach these to your children. Teach these to your children. If you go into an Orthodox Jewish home, you will often see the the parents stressing to children the need to ask questions. Ask questions. A typical Jewish saying is, is they'll, they'll, they'll say to their child when they come home from school, did you ask any good questions today? It is not how many questions did you answer. It is, have you asked good questions today? The prompting and the teaching and the instruction of children, God brings to the forefront. Children to Him are not an afterthought. Remember, it says in... in uh, In Matthew chapter 19, it says that they brought children to Jesus and his disciples were like, hey, get out of here, you kids. I mean, he's a busy guy, you know. This is Jesus. Don't bother him. And Jesus, let the children come unto me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And it says he laid his hands upon them. They're not an afterthought to God. Not an afterthought at all. In fact, you see them brought to the forefront. When God is working in power, he brings children forward. This is to prepare you. I know most of you don't yet have children. But prepare yourself. It is up to you to teach your children. Here's what he says. He says in Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, with all, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. Everything you shall love. Jesus, in fact, changes. Jesus quoted this three times in the New Testament, but he adds to this list, and your mind. Jesus adds, and your mind. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, 
your soul, your, your mind and your might, or your mind and your strength, Jesus says. He adds the word mind in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He, he quotes this three times. And he adds the word your mind as well. But it's a very interesting thing what he says. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. God commands us to love Him. This is very strange. You can command all sorts of things. You can, co- you can command that somebody submits to you. You can command that somebody listens to you. You command that, you know, somebody can command you to pick up the chair and move it. But how do you command love? You know, love would be like the only thing that you can't command. You know, somebody put a gun to your head and command you to do something. You do it. But they can't command you to love them. This is exactly what God does. The very thing that a human being cannot demand from us, command us to do, God commands us to love Him. Because He understands, He understands this mystery of God's love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, He died for us, He gave Himself for us. This command that we love Him, is due Him, and He understands human capacity. Because of what God has done, He is able to command love from us. And He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your, with all your heart, with all your soul and, soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. In other words, it starts this way. You cannot teach this to your children unless it's a part of your own heart. If you say, well, when I have kids, then we'll go to church and, and, and uh, we'll start taking them to church. That never, ever works. If you go to church just because of your children, your children will see the hypocrisy of it all and rebel from it. You start serving God in the state where you are. And so that when you have children, they see that this is exactly what you do. This is exactly the pattern of your life. You let it be in your own heart and then your children see it because children are very attuned to hypocrisy. Very attuned to hypocrisy. So if their parents tell them one thing and then their parents do another thing, the children see it immediately. And when they're old enough, they will rebel. When they're old enough, they will challenge and rebel from it. You follow the Lord because it's in your own heart. And then he says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons. Not just passively. Oh, well, you know, we take you, to church. You, go to, you, go to, you go to Awana or Sunday school class and then you'll learn it. No, you are to teach them. You are to teach them. And I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm not a very good teacher. I say, well, learn to teach then. Learn to teach. Pick up the Word of God, study it, and learn to teach it to your children. You say you're not good at it? Well, then learn to be good at it. I've seen some men say, you know, I'm not a good teacher. I kind of leave that to my wife. Oh, I'm supposed to be impressed by that? You haven't impressed me. Start walking in what God has called you to walk in and teach your children. You shall teach them to your, diligently to your sons. And not just teach them. He says, you shall talk of them. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. You shall... Talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. The conversations around God are to be there all the time. 
It is not just, okay, we're going to go to church for an hour and learn about God. No, it is a constant thing. And you cannot do this with your children if it is not a part of your own daily life. If God is not a part of your own daily life, it will not happen and be transferred to your children as a pattern for their lives as well. It has to be part of your own daily life. Your children will not have quiet times. They will not have times of devotion unless they see you having times of devotion with the Lord. Children ought to know that their mother and father are awake early on their knees seeking God with the Word of God in hand saying, Lord, speak to me. So that when children rise up, they see this is a pattern that happens in their home. This is how it's transferred. It's transferred not merely by teaching them, not by, merely by saying, sit down and, let's, and study this. No, it is you shall teach them diligently to your son. When you're, you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. How much more explicit would you like God to be? He's saying in everywhere, everywhere you are, you're talking about God all the time. The conversations are around God. This is how you're going to teach these things to your children. This is how they're going to learn to love God when you demonstrate a love for God. You, you, you know, I was at a, a wedding last week and, and uh, at Nina and Ryan's wedding. And her father stood up and, and gave this speech. He does, doesn't speak English, but he, had this, he read this letter and it was translated. And he said, when Nina came home, went back to Brazil, and he heard her say, Ryan this, Ryan that, Ryan, 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 Ryan. He knew his daughter's heart was won by a young man. He knew this. She wasn't saying daddy this, daddy that. It was Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. When you are speaking about the Lord all the time, then, then people perceive you really love the Lord. You really love God. It becomes a topic of conversation in your home, all around you. You really love God. This is what he's saying. You shall love the Lord your God. This is going to be demonstrated to the extent that when you walk around, you talk about him. When you walk around, he is the topic of your conversation. He is the topic in your home. And this is how you're to teach your children. Because he is to be all-consuming in your life. This is how we teach our children. He brings children to the forefront. Then if you go on to Deuteronomy chapter 6, let's turn, just move down to the bottom of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's look at verse 20. Deuteronomy verse 6, 20. When your sons ask you in time to come, saying, what do these testimonies and statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your sons, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us up from Egypt with a mighty hand. Moreover, the Lord showed us great and distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. He brought us up from here in order to bring us, to give us this land which, you, which he swore to our fathers. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good, always, and for our survival, as it is this day. It will be righteousness for us, if we are careful to observe all this commandment before the Lord our God, just as He commanded us. So what He says, He says, when your sons ask you, 
What are you supposed to... You tell them the great things that God has done. The great things that God has done for you. And not merely the great things that God did for the nation of Israel. What He's done for you. That they learn their testimony. Every time I, I'm given a, a, a talk somewhere, I'll invite my, my, my daughter, Sabrina. She's the only one who, who lives at home full time now. And, and uh, she says, Dad, I don't have to go. I know all your, your talks anyway. I know exactly what you're going to say. Well, how does she know them all? Because she's heard me. In fact, I was going to speak yesterday about, about this origin of life talk. And she was, she was down. I said, you coming to the talk? She says, no, I could give that talk for you. I said, what do you mean you could give that talk? I've only given it once before. Well, that once before is on YouTube, on the Internet. And you know what she said to me? She says, oh, chemistry is hard. Doing this is hard. You can't... Do-. She was quoting me from the Internet. She had listened to it. And she starts quoting me. I said, yeah, you do know it. You did listen to it. She sees what's happening in my life. And she's able even to recite it. My children know my testimony. My children could give my testimony as well as I give it. Really, they could give it. With all the expressions and all the, and all the, 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 the intonations. Sabrina can do this. She really knows how to do this. And, and, uh, um, because they've heard it so many times. This is exactly what they're supposed to hear. They're supposed to hear over and over again from us what God has done in our lives. This is how we transfer this love for God from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. That it is a true love for God. And look what he goes on to say. He says, he, he says uh, um, in verse 24 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival. When we fear God, it is for our good and our survival. We survive by fearing God, by keeping His commandments. He says, the Lord commanded us to observe these statutes. You keep the commandments of God, it will go well for you. You don't and it won't. I can look at a young person's life. I can look at their behaviors and the things that they do. And I know what their life is going to be like. Just by the way that they observe the commandments of God. If they observe the commandments of God, their life is going to go well. How do I know this? Because the Bible says that. The Bible says exactly that. He says, he says it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all this commandment before the Lord our God, just as He commanded us. If you keep the commandments of God, it will go well for you. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And we're going to start reading at verse 44. One of my favorite portions. Deuteronomy chapter 32. We're going to start reading at verse 44. So this is the culmination of the instruction of of Moses. So imagine 40 years of instruction. 40 years of instruction have taken place from Moses to the children of Israel. How is he going to culminate this? How is he going to wrap all this up? Here's how he wraps it up. Deuteronomy 32:44. Then Moses came and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. He with Joshua, the son of Nun. When Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today. 
which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. For it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. And by this word you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. It is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. The word of God is your life. It is your life. It is your sustenance. Jesus, when he was confronted by the devil, he said, the devil said, turn these stones into bread. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We live by the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. Go ahead, go three days without eating and tell me how you feel. Tell me how, well, how strong you feel after three days of not eating. This is what happens to you spiritually when you've gone three days without meditating on the Word of God. You are a spiritual weakling and you get tossed about and you wonder, why, why do I get so angry so easily? Why do I get this? Because you are just emaciated. You are so weak because you haven't eaten for days. That's what it's like. He says, it is not an idle word for you. It is your life. The Word of God is your life. It is your life. This is what sustains us, is the Word of God. He says, this is the whole culmination of it. He says, and you're to teach this to your children. He says, take to your heart all the words. Take it to heart. Don't just put it here. Take it to heart. All the words with which I'm warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. It is our job to teach our children the Word of God. It is our job to do this. It is your job to do this. You say, well, come on, I'm kind of busy. Do you know what's happening in my career? Do you know how great it's going? Well, God was kind of busy, you know, drying up the Jordan, bringing millions of people through the wilderness. But He could find time for the children to tell them, you've got to minister to your children. In the midst of the busyness, in the midst of the successes, you find time for your children. It is your children. He says, you get this in your children's heart and you can't just speak it into their lives. You have to live it. You, whenever you walk, wherever you go, you have to live this. You have to get this into their lives. He says, take to your heart all the words with which I am warning to you today, which you should command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law, for it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. The Word of God holds the answers to life. The Word of God is your life, the Scripture says. The Word of God is your life. If you neglect it, you neglect aspects of your life that will never be recovered any other way. Never be recovered. This is your life. Thank God that you are learning about this when you're young and not when you're 60 or 70 years old and your children are already gone. Thank God that you're learning about it. I thank God that at the age of 18, I bowed my knee before the Lord. I thank God that it happened to me when I was 18 and not later on in life. Thank God for the goodness of God coming into your life through the Word of God. This is your life. This is the treasure of what's before you in your life. Which you shall command your sons to observe carefully even all the words of this law. For it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. And by this word, 
you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. It is by this word you will prolong your days. It is by this word you will garner success. It is by this word you will garner relationships, marriage, stability in your home. It is by this word. Neglect it and you will lose out. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for the truth of it. Lord, I pray for these young people that the power of God would come upon them, that they would take up Your Word and seriously observe it, and that they would get in their hearts even now that they would be good parents, teaching their children the Word of God. Father, I pray that they would live it, they would speak about it, they would... Whenever they rise up, whenever they lie down, when they sit down, when they walk by the way, wherever they go, Father, that God would be real in their lives. Father, I pray that these young people would learn to love You. To love You with all the heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. That they would learn to love You. And Father, I commit them to You. I commit them to You for the glory of Jesus. Amen.